umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we have the task to talk about the huge victory of michigan over notre dame by a score of 45 to 14 well clint you've been uh you know calling your shot all year that it appeared that Michigan was pulling things together, and this was definitely the game that everything just just ran like clockwork. Uh, what did you? What were your thoughts watching the game? Well, I I thought that um, obviously Michigan's offensive line really played their best game uh, in terms of run blocking. Um, I, you know, that's that kind of goes without saying, but. What uh, what it looked like Notre Dame was doing was was sending their linebackers, um, which is kind of their mo at least uh, this season. You know, they they send the linebackers a real blitz heavy package, and uh, the that's kind of a roll on the dice from a defensive coordinator. We know that with Don Brown, that if the blitz doesn't get there, um, you're you're very susceptible to the big play. Now, what against a running attack? You send the uh, the linebackers into the you know the wrong gap, or they get clipped and taken taken out by the uh, the offensive line. Then uh, the next the only people there to make the tackle on the run are the safeties, and and that's what we saw. We saw first person that had a chance to make the tackle a lot of times for Notre Dame was was the safety, and uh, our running backs were able to make them miss and and make make big chunk runs, and uh, it was really nice to see. Um, I think you give, uh, give the coaching staff a lot of credit for, uh, kind of establishing a couple base plays with the split zone and the, uh, and the keeper around the end with the tight end lead. And, uh, when Notre Dame really sold out and, and sent their linebackers off of the edge to try to stop the, uh, the outside runs, um, Michigan was able to adjust and, and leaned on some inside runs. And uh, Michigan was just running right at the, uh, the safeties and, and being able to pick up those linebacker blitzes. So job well done. It was it was good to see. And, and now it's about consistency and, and continuing to build momentum. So a couple interesting things that I noticed, uh, you know, I noticed it during the game, watching it live. And, and I, you know, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention just what an amazing monsoon that uh, occurred during the game. You know, it's interesting. Both teams played in it, but it was uh, definitely one of the more challenging weather uh, situations that I've seen in, in, in recent years. So kudos to Michigan overcoming that. But um, one of the things I noticed um, when we were watching the game live and then when I watched the replay is the offensive line was moving extremely well, pulling and, and – uh, leading the run plays and it's it's great to see linemen uh moving um you know protecting the gap attacking where the run's going to go so you know as an old school lineman it's nice to see that It's, it's nice to see the line coming together um the other thing that i noticed was that and and clint i'm I'm gonna call you out because you mentioned this earlier in the year that some of the changes that don brown was instituting 
was really set up to put Michi- the Michigan defense in a stronger position to to really respond to what happened at Notre Dame last or at Ohio State last year. And versus Notre Dame, you could really see the Michigan defense switch almost seamlessly from you know their typical man to man to a zone. And it was it was really great to see that you know last year against Ohio State when they tried to switch into a zone, uh, they had mixed results. And you could definitely tell that they are they are practicing it, and the players are much more comfortable. So, you know, there were a lot of things that came together against Notre Dame. And you know, considering that uh, we're not going to see them on the schedule till 2033, hopefully this is a a a defeat that's going to sting for them for a while. Yeah, I you know I think that it will, I, especially on the defensive side. I think we've seen. Um, kind of that slow build, continuing to take shape, continuing to improve. Uh, you, you made a good point that um, the defense kind of started slow this season also, and uh, we've seen some big plays uh, really cost the team. But um, if, if you think back to the beginning of the season to now, you can feel how the, the, the noose is kind of tightening on uh, on the opposing offenses. I think uh, – both the offense and the defense have been improving um, with the defense being a couple steps ahead. Uh, and that's, that's pretty, pretty understandable given the, uh, the experience that Don Brown's got as a coordinator, as opposed to, uh, you know, Josh Gaddis being a first year coordinator. So um, I think both of these guys are, uh, you know, some of the brightest minds on their respective sides of the ball. Uh, but, you know, like we've said uh, a couple different times this year, um, all of those great ideas, you've got to be able to uh, to plan, you know, to make a game plan and also be able to teach those concepts, communicate those concepts and, and coach uh, the players because uh, the, the best ideas don't mean anything if you can't get the players to, uh, to execute those. So really, I think what we're seeing is the difference in experience uh, between Don Brown and, and Josh Gaddis. Um, in terms of why it's taken a little bit longer for the offense to come together. So uh, I, I don't see anything right now that shows that, uh, that that improvement should slow down at all. I think uh, they'll continue to climb back up uh, in the SP plus rankings. They started, I think in uh, 14th and SP plus and dropped all the way to number 72 earlier this season, the offense did. And uh, now they've clawed back up to about 41st. So, be interesting to see uh, if they can get back up into the uh, top 25 and then into the teens and you know how high that offensive line can climb in these uh, these next four weeks. You know, we also have to you know give Coach Harbaugh credit. You know, a couple weeks ago when he said that you know he had seen evidence of everything coming together, I know I kind of scratched my head because you know we had seen a lot of struggles on the field. But it's interesting to look back. You know, I had some concern when Michigan struggled in the third quarter against Illinois. But looking back, that really seems to be when Illinois caught fire. I mean, they they played very well in that third quarter against Michigan. And then they go on and beat Wisconsin, which I think nobody saw coming, right? So then you look back at the the Michigan-Penn State game, and, you know, got in a hole in the in the first half uh, due to, 
you know, the, the hostile environment and uh, a little bit of help from the referees, but really played a really good, solid second half. And so the question I have for you, Clint, is, you know, in the in the wake of Michigan-Notre Dame, do you think that is Harbaugh's best victory at Michigan so far through his tenure? Yeah, it's a it's a pretty good question, and it's uh, it's been kicked around a lot um, this week. I think both uh, local media wise and, and nationally. Uh, my personal opinion is that it's it's got to be it's got to be right up there. I think the uh, the win in 2016 over Wisconsin at home um, was a big one, because uh, it was really the first the first big one. Um, it was the first uh, top ten win, and was his only top ten win there for a while. But I, I think that one really established the 2016 team as a as a national threat. Um, they had they had won big against Colorado and uh, Central Florida, but um, Wisconsin was was really well established on the national scene and, and Michigan played a very good game from uh, from wire to wire to win that one. So I, I'm inclined to say that one's probably bigger just because it was because it came first. Um, but this game against Notre Dame was was just total dominance, just total dominance. So um, it was a different different flavor as opposed to that you know, 14 to seven game over Wisconsin. This was uh, not quite nip and tuck. This was uh, just absolutely um, hammering, 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 uh, very similar to what they did in that, uh, the three game gauntlet from 2018, um, except against uh, a team that was ranked eighth in the country. So uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell anybody they were wrong if they were saying that it's his best. Um, but I would probably put that win against Wisconsin up there first and uh, we'll uh, we'll see we'll see where where Notre Dame ends up at the end of this season, and and it'd be interesting to compare um, those two games and those two seasons uh, once we're all done here. So don't get me wrong, I like beating Michigan State. I really like beating Ohio State, but I love putting a whooping on Notre Dame, and um, I, I think um, for me it comes because I, I actually respect the program a lot. You know, I respect the history. I respect the lore, you know, the, the story of Michigan going down to South Bend and, and teaching them how to play football, you know, at the, the very early, you know, days of, of college football, the primordial mist, you know, of when things were forming. So I, I, I really genuinely relished this victory and, you know, especially in the wake of when we got noticed before the game, you know, the email pops up that Michigan and Notre Dame have extended the series and they're going to announce dates. And then you find out it's in 2033. I mean, you know, I just hope I'm around then. I hope I'm around to see that because, uh, you know, getting on an age here and, and hope to be here. But, you know, when you're talking about, you know, 13 years down the road or 14 years down the road, you definitely kind of have to wonder a little bit. And, you know, I really think that um, I'm disappointed that the series is, is delayed by, by so much, you know, there's a lot of talk. I know uh, there are a certain contingent of Michigan fans who are tired of playing Notre Dame. 
And the thought always is, oh, well, now we can play Alabama or now we can play Clemson. And, you know, what we've seen is that when we get a game like that, it's on the road. You know, it's a it's one of those big games where they go to Arlington or go down to Atlanta. And the thing about a home and home with Notre Dame is it really pays off for the season ticket holders. And, you know, due to the proximity of, of the schools, both fan bases can travel either way. It's just it is a genuinely, um, you know, I, I think it's one of the more classy rivalries. You know, there, there are stories of, you know, between Michigan and Ohio State, both fan bases complained about traveling either way, about about bad situations. And and I have found my trips to Notre Dame to be completely enjoyable. Um, you know, a respectful fan base. I remember I was I was down there and uh there was a game where Denard just ran like crazy, okay? And you know, one of the one of the good wins, right, that we that we had down there. And I remember uh, uh, an older Notre Dame fan tapping me on the shoulder and just saying, congratulations on having such a fine athlete play for your school. And, and it's just, you know, my experience has been that there's a respect there. And I'm definitely going to miss uh, seeing that game on the schedule for the next uh, 13 years. And again, I just, you know, I, I wonder what we're going to get in its place. You know, I, I, I have little faith that we're going to get marquee home games uh, you know, to, to replace Notre Dame on the schedule every other year. Yeah, I, I, I agree with, with what you're saying. And a couple, couple final thoughts for me on, on Notre Dame. So if, if indeed the next game, the next time that we play Notre Dame is 2033, if they don't add uh, any additional games in the series between now and then my, my son who's in kindergarten this year will be, uh, I think a sophomore in college. <laughs> and my my second son, who's uh, just started preschool, will be a senior in high school. So, um, you know, will it'll be a return to tradition that uh, will uh, maybe we'll revisit the uh, the game from this year uh, with uh, with my young adult sons at that point. Um, in terms of the the rivalry in this particular win, I think uh, the other interesting thing or, or dimension to this rivalry is that Notre Dame fell in some hard times there under Charlie Weiss and the coaching changes. And even um, through the Rich Rod and, and Brady Hoke eras, we still managed to beat Notre Dame more times than we lost them, which was, which was, um, you know, almost strange. It was as bad as things were going. We could still count on, on beating Notre Dame almost two out of three times through that era. So, um, then when Brian Kelly came in, he uh, returned them to to national prominence and and has made both the uh, BCS title game in in 2012 and then was in the playoff last year. So um, you, you got to tip your hat a little bit to to the success that that he's had since he's gotten there and 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 for the program in general uh, coming back from the same kind of doldrums that that Michigan experienced uh, over the past decade and a half. Um, with that being said, though, it, there's there's no better feeling than kind of like what you were saying. I, I love I love beating Brian Kelly specifically just because it drives me nuts the way that he he blows up on on the players, especially the quarterbacks when they make a mistake. I just uh, if, from a coaching philosophy standpoint, uh, that's always rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, I, again, I'll tip my hat to his success, but um, that that style is is not for me. So 
um, seeing him uh, pouting in the rain as uh, Michigan runs the ball in for another touchdown and then throws for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Um, certainly didn't hurt my feelings at all. You know, we'll, uh, we'll see you in 13 years, Brian Kelly. Well, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because on one hand, you know, I have a, I, I respect him because, you know, he did some really great work at Grand Valley here in Michigan, you know, and went to Central, you know, before Cincinnati and ending up at Notre Dame. You know he appreciates the rivalry, but I completely agree with you. I I think that in some ways he's a throwback uh, coaching style-wise in a bad way. You know, I just um, – you don't like to see that, you know, and I, and I agree with you. I, you know, you don't like to see a guy berating his players. That is kind of a, a throwback old school way that's been kind of uh, discredited. So to see him pouting in the rain was, was a good thing. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll see if he's around uh, next time this series comes around. And, and, and I again, I would love to see something happen where this series gets picked up sooner rather than later. Or, you know what? Maybe we will see, you know, ideally it would be great to see Michigan and Notre Dame meet in the college football playoffs or maybe even a national championship game at some point. Yep. Yeah, I would, it would be certainly going to be interesting. And another quick note, the two seasons where we took the uh, home and home off of um, the schedule with UCLA, I still think those game, those seasons still, uh, I still only see uh 11 scheduled games, even with the addition of uh, East Carolina and Hawaii home games. So I still think that there's space there. Um, you know, if they're still talking about how to add uh, another game, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if Notre Dame's back before 2033. But we'll see. Well, that would be great. And one of the things that uh, Coach Harbaugh commented on in the run-up to the game as he was asked, you know, if he liked the rivalry and, you know, in his uh, nondescript way, not willing to or not looking to blow things up, he said, yes, yes, I like the rivalry. So I think uh, hopefully he would support it. And, you know, in some ways, maybe this beatdown would actually inspire Notre Dame to want to get back sooner rather than leaving this bad taste in their mouth. So we will see. So, on to this week, uh, onward and upward. So, next, Michigan has Maryland on the schedule, and uh, you've done some great work on the SP+. What do the advanced analytics tell us about this game? The, uh, the SP Plus system, uh, before the season, ranked Maryland almost dead square in the middle, 130, 130 programs in D1. And they were 65th, dead square in the middle. And, uh, you know, 10 weeks later, they are all the way up to uh, 56th overall with the uh, 64th uh, defense and the uh, 58th offense, I think. So um, it's uh, it's a remarkably average team in, in year one under Mike Loxley. So they started out really hot. They were putting up uh, 60 and 70 points on um, – you know, Howard and, and and some smaller schools, some weaker opponents, but uh, Temple kind of downloaded what they were doing and, and was able to stop them. And then Penn State really, really put it on them on a Friday night. So um, it's kind of feast or famine right now 
with what they're doing. I, I was really surprised to see them lose to Purdue a few weeks ago. Uh, then they lost to Indiana also. So I think uh, once they they put their uh, their best plays on film and teams have had the ability to adjust, I, I just don't think that they've got the depth of their uh, you know in their scheme. Very similar to what we're what we're talking about. Um, the pros of of Michigan's offense coming together. That depth was there, you know, with uh, Ed Warner coming back as the offensive line coach and Harbaugh's experience calling plays. There's a lot of depth there. There's a lot of counter to the counter to the counter kind of adjustments that can be made. And uh, Mike Loxley just doesn't have that um, in terms of X's and O's yet. So he's got a. He's got some stuff that works, but once you've uh, stopped his best stuff, I think he's uh, he's kind of out of tricks and he's exposed. So, uh, and then defensively, they are uh, they're giving up almost as many explosive plays as they get. And it's a very explosive offense, but it's a it's also a very explosive defense. <laughs> so, um, there there may be a lot of big plays uh, in both directions. Might start to look a little bit like a track meet um, if uh, if Michigan's giving up big plays too. So that's uh, that's what the numbers are saying. Um, I, I think uh, personally, I think the uh, the fan base is a little bit um, giddy coming out of the Notre Dame, you know, beatdown. I think they expect to see another one, and that certainly could happen. But I uh, I, I sort of think that this is going to look a little bit more like the Illinois game than the Notre Dame game. I, I still haven't seen us play four straight solid quarters of football on the road um yet and also there was still a lull in the uh, notre dame game in the second quarter and into the third quarter that uh michigan still even at home even even though they ended up clicking for 45 points they still just did not put together i think a hundred percent you know from start to finish their best performance yet so uh in one way that's that's still a positive i think there's still room to grow but uh, I, I want to see them do it from wire to wire on the road before I could predict it ahead of time. So I think the uh, the spread right now is 17 and a half. SP Plus says Michigan by 17. I think it uh, they'll still win by multiple scores, but I, I don't think it's going to be another blowout, uh, probably closer to what we saw against Illinois. So the analytics say one thing, and, and I wonder – if this is a case where we kind of step back and, you know, we've talked all year about this gauntlet that Michigan has to run through, starting with Penn State, on to Notre Dame, and, you know, looking ahead to a, a, a seriously bruised and bloody Michigan State team that is sure to play Michigan very, you know, very tough, as they always do, but perhaps, perhaps definitely, you know, uh, more so this year than than in recent years, um, due to the various struggles that they have, and then Ohio State. So the question I have is, you know, is there what do you think the chances are that Michigan's going to come in and just be, um, I don't want to say overlook Maryland, but just kind of be spent emotionally, like between having the 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 emotional Penn State loss, the huge sky high win over Notre Dame, and then you know. You, you, you know, they always say look to the next game, but they have to be looking at Michigan State and Ohio State. You know, what chances do you think there are that, that Michigan might come out a little flat in this one? There's definitely a chance of that. Um, 
of course the uh the staff knows that um that it's a real possibility and they're gonna that's their job is to uh make sure that we're mentally prepared to to uh take care of that ahead of time and 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 avoid that you know from from sunday through friday uh in your preparation because that that's when um the look ahead or the trap game really happens you, you don't get shocked on a saturday right the the game adrenaline and, and you're, you're pumped up and you're, you're going to play well regardless of opponent it's really uh in practice that if uh, if you kind of get lulled to sleep or, or you're looking ahead or diverting time and resources to a different opponent then you can kind of get caught so um i think the uh the one game at a time most important game is the next game kind of mantra from from harbaugh uh is specifically geared towards uh you know avoiding those those pitfalls but we talked about this i think in our our, our podcast uh preseason uh preview that the the schedule has set up this kind of roller coaster up and down tough opponent followed by a a, a kind of a, a mediocre or a lesser opponent um starting with iowa right it was uh it was iowa then rutgers then um, you know, we, we had the Illinois game in there. We had, you know, then Penn State, Notre Dame, you know, Maryland. Then you got the, the rivalry game. Then you go Indiana and you've got Ohio State. So the whole schedule is kind of up down in that way and, and sets you up for multiple trap games. And that may have some bearing on why Harbaugh from the beginning has said the most important game is the next game is you can kind of see when we looked at the schedule in August that there was kind of an up-down um, risk to uh, to this year's schedule. So there is a chance that they come out flat. Um, they tend to come out flat or, or they tend to underperform, I'll say, on the road um, anyway. So I, I just don't expect to see um, a runaway or, or, or another steamroller. I, I'd, I'd love to see it. And I wouldn't exactly be um, shocked if that happened, but I, I really expect this to look more like uh, like what happened in Champaign. Um, I'm just hoping that we can avoid the the total disappearing act um, that happened in the third quarter of that Illinois game. So if they look solid to start, might might take a little time to uh, kind of click together and 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 start to really roll. I expect him to be up a score or two at halftime and then probably tack a few more on. And uh, they just really have to avoid giving up big plays because this Maryland offense is explosive and they're also uh, explosive on special teams in the return game. They could they could jump up and bite you on punt and kick returns too. So uh, take care of business. You know, get, uh, get in there, um, play your best game, hopefully for four consecutive quarters, try to stay healthy and, uh, you know, get into the bye week and start preparing for uh, the kitchen sink that's coming from uh, from the Spartans. You know, one last thing. Uh, last week, rumors started percolating that uh, Coach Harbaugh's representatives were reaching out and listening to offers from certain NFL teams. And he uh, took the kind of unusual step of, of – sending a letter to the parents of the players talking about, you know, uh, allaying their fears. And he, it was funny because the term he used, enemies of the program. 
And he was asked this week, well, who are enemies? And his clarification was, well, people who would not tell the truth. So I think that, um, you know, when Harbaugh came here, we were wondering, you know, would he be here five years? And here he is five years in. I still think that, you know, um, there's a lot of things that he wants to do with the program. He seems completely focused. And again, you know, I think, you know, he made a good point. There are always going to be programs who are going to use his potential jump to the NFL against him uh, for recruiting purposes. And, and Clint, I will tell you, um, you know, when Harbaugh came here, um, there were experts, and I, and I say experts in air quotes, who up until a week or two before, you know, I and, and a few others, I mean, I, I, I'm not, you know, saying I had any special knowledge, but I think there are many of us who could look at the tea leaves and knew that Harbaugh was coming here. Okay. There were, there were things happening behind the scenes, certain people not talking, certain preparations being made where I was pretty, pretty much 99% certain that he was coming here. And there were NFL air quote experts you know, people in the media who told me I was crazy. And at the time I was doing some additional work as a a columnist for Bleacher Report. And my editor actually told me to stop writing about the possibility of Harbaugh coming to Michigan because the experts knew that he wasn't. And, and, you know, you kind of throw up your hands and and say, well, we'll see. Right. So I think that, um, you know, I, I think it's a similar thing here. There are a lot of experts who, and I say, you know, in air quotes, experts who just can't understand how why he'd want to stay at Michigan and, and why this is a special place. And, you know, I would be more inclined to believe those kind of rumors, you know, if if he had won two or three Big Ten championships and maybe played in a, in a you know, made the college football playoffs. You know, if he had done everything he wanted to do here, you know, maybe I could believe, you know, that he'd be planning to leave, but I just think he still has too much to do here. Yeah, I think there are a lot of things uh, in the annual rumors that, that just don't add up. I mean, let's, number one, in 2018, when, when the rumors started floating out, it was uh, it was on an NFL talk show with uh, Chris Carter, you know, uh, Buckeye, great wide receiver, talking about the, the the likelihood that Harbaugh would be interested in rejoining Andrew Luck in Indianapolis, and I think that is when really, um, it really kind of sunk in to most people, especially in the local Metro Detroit area here, that these rumors are being generated by people who are trying to create. Uh, a negative recruiting atmosphere uh, around the program. I mean, Chris Carter's got a clear uh, interest in in harming <laughs> Michigan's ability to recruit. You know, and you know, I, I would if I was in his spot, I would do the same thing to Ohio State. So I I can <laughs> I I don't have any really ill will about it, but it, it, I think it kind of galvanized the whole um, concept of people are floating some misinformation out there specifically to damage um, the program. And, and 
it it may have affected Daxton Hill's recruiting. You know, they they had to go all hands on deck to try to bring Daxton Hill back into the fold, and uh, managed to do that. So, this uh, I'm I'm kind of glad it happened a little earlier in the season this year. Harbaugh handled it directly. Um, it's not to say that another rumor won't get floated, but um, it, it it's just it's it's what it is it's going to be an annual thing but the other thing that doesn't really add up to me and and there's multiple facets to this that that are easy to kind of disprove but harbaugh um is pretty well documented and 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 pretty easy to glean from from his personality that he's not the kind of guy that is going to back channel a quote-unquote exit strategy Right. This this is a guy that is going to tackle the challenges that are in front of him head on and and prefers to communicate for himself. Um, I think uh, Nick Baumgartner over at The Athletic wrote a really great article that talked to some of uh, some of the folks that have been involved in contract negotiations with Harbaugh in the past, even back to when he was a player. And, and the things that are most important to him are are being a part of a winning football team and program and feeling as if he's a, a meaningful contributor in that program more so than, you know, compensation or, or any of the other um, kind of uh, perks that, that could go with a, a, a deal. So if, if everything kind of boils down to Harbaugh being, he's still the guy that, that wears cleats on the sidelines because he wants to, uh, you know, be at his best to play catch in the pregame warmups. You know, this is still a guy that's football first and is not going to be sending um, shadowy uh, figures out to start conversations for him to find a, an exit strategy that none of that, none of that makes sense at all. And I think if, uh, if ever there is a time that, that Harbaugh does leave Ann Arbor and leave the program, I, I don't think it's going to come as a major surprise to me. I, I think the writing will be on the wall and ideally it would be because he has accomplished everything that he wants to accomplish um, from a football standpoint as leader of this program. Um, but I have a hard time believing that it's going to be back channeled and sources of, of sources and, and a lot of hearsay and a lot of smoke and rumors, and then all of a sudden it, it, it springs out of nowhere. To me, um, that that's just not the way that, that the man operates. I completely agree. So hopefully we will be able to talk about Coach Harbaugh leading Michigan back to a Big Ten championship in the college football playoffs for uh, many seasons to come. So, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.